Amen. Can I pray? Holy Spirit, even as our hearts respond to this, um, we want to give you everything. We want to praise you with all that we have. I ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and open our eyes again today? I pray that scales would fall off. God, that by the power of your word this morning, that as your truth comes, that it will cut every single one of us to the heart. We ask for the power of your, 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 the power of your Holy Spirit that comes with the preaching of the gospel. That when the message of what Jesus gave us, when, when the message of what Jesus did as it's preached, that there is a power that comes. And I ask you for that power this morning. That power to convict. The power to cut. The power to do the miraculous. The power to forgive and the power to restore. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's been a month since I've been here. I feel like I have to introduce myself as a visitor. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm actually an elder here. Um, <laughs> Mike is dying, sorry. Um, it's so good to be here. Um, and I did want to do one tiny announcement, and then I'd love to preach. I think, not I think, I have faith that God really wants to meet with you this morning. It's not done. It wasn't a little goosebump moment in worship. I feel like God wants to arrest your heart this morning. No matter, you might come in here feeling like you're in the absolute best way possible, or you might have dragged yourself here feeling furthest from God that you've ever been in your life. I promise you, He wants to meet with you with power this morning. So the first announcement. Welcome, Kim. Where's Kim? Kim, welcome. Can you stand quickly? Kim is engaged to Earl. We don't, we don't, Earl's been here forever, Earl's like the furniture. We are very excited. Kim got prayed out of her congregation last week, and she's officially joined us. They're getting married in January. We are super excited to have you. Welcome. So this whole message started because I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about how He wants to build us together and what even our relationship together is built on. And it's built on this incredible thing of God's grace. Our relationships are built on what God has done for every single one of us. Our relationships are not built on our wardrobe or on our preferences or what we like and what we dislike, but our relationships are built on the fact that every single one of us who believe in Him and have asked and given our lives to Him we have been forgiven and he's given us his grace and his mercy. I was like, God, I want to preach on that. And, he, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want to do something else first. And so this morning, I want to do something that I don't normally do. I normally like to be one of those guys who just like preach on a topic. But I want to, I want to break down a scripture that I think most of us who've been in church a while would know. And I'd like to read the scripture with us, and I'd, I'd like you to open your mind to the fact that sometimes I think we've misinterpreted the scripture to mean something that it does mean, but that's not all it means. Okay, you with me? So the concept is, I would love to drop a massive truth bomb on you. And then I would like to show you how, if it is true, you should live your life. And then I'd like to clarify what that means for every single one of us. Okay, 
So can we open our Bibles, or they're going to put it on the overhead, to 1 John 5 to 10. So it's 1 John 1 verse 5 to 10. And I, I want to reiterate, this is John the disciple, Jesus' best friend, Jesus' beloved, and this is what he wants to say. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. Disclaimer, this is not what I heard from Simon Sinek on Google about how leaders eat last and how we should be. This is not what I heard on the greatest TED talk ever. This is John the disciple saying, this is a message I heard from God himself that he taught us that I want to teach you. So this morning, this is something from God himself to you. Okay, I'm shouting, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And it is such a simple scripture, but it means so much. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness in him at all. Okay, that's great. God is a light. That helps in load shedding. I mean, God is light. I would love to explain what that means for you, what that means for me. And in God, there is no darkness. Do you know that you do not understand that right now as you sit there? I don't care how intelligent you are. You might be half as intelligent as Elijah and think that you understand what God is like. God is light and in him there is no darkness. You have not experienced that anywhere on this planet other than God. Because in this world, we live and are surrounded in darkness. And the only one without darkness in him is God. I'm going to clarify. I know this sounds very Christianese. I'm going to explain what this actually means. So we are lying. Whoops. How do we get there? So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the, light, in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. Here's the disclaimer. If we claim we have no sin, we are not only fooling ourselves and, are not, and not living in the truth, we are only fooling ourselves. Sorry, I want a disclaimer there. We are only fooling ourselves. It doesn't mean that, and you're going to see what it means later. If you are not, and this is not talking about being perfect. If, not if you don't think you're perfect. If you are not sin aware in your life, if you are not seeing sin in your life, not only are you deceiving yourself, but that's blasphemy. Because you're not just fooling yourself, you're calling God a liar. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing him that his word has no place in our hearts. It's huge. It's huge. we lose that awareness of the sinfulness in our life, not only are we saying, nah, that's not sinful, not only are we deceiving and fooling ourselves, but we're actually blaspheming against God. That's great, because that means we're all on the same page. And so I would love to take a little bit of time 
Not long, you know me. I'm the dude that preaches short. I'd love to elaborate on this truth. What does it mean that God is light? Why is that such a big deal? What does it mean to not live in spiritual darkness? What does it mean to live in the light? Because this, this is very practical. And so I, I need to bring this to you, and I do it every time I preach, and I sometimes feel like I'm boring when I say this, but I will continue to say it because I live in an age that says otherwise. And that is that the society that we are subject to for 95% of our life, anytime you are influenced by something outside of the church or outside of the Word of God, everything, we live in a postmodern society. It means that we live in a world that believes there is no objective truth. We live in a world that does not believe that there is an object of truth and everything else that comes to that. We live in a world that believes truth is subjective. What I believe to be true is true. That is the world that you live in. There are areas of your life, even as a Christian, where that thing can sneak in and you can think it's true. I watch this with Christians. Subjective truth. Ah, I can have an amazing relationship with God and not be a part of a fellowship. Well, that's not the objective truth. I can serve God with my, my worship on a Sunday morning, but live a lifestyle during the week that is nothing close to a believer because it feels okay. That's subjective truth. The objective truth is there is a truth, and that truth is God is light, and in God there is no darkness. So I want to clarify that for you. What does it mean? It means God is light. It's, it's, it's a way of saying a few things. The first thing is this, and I'll show you some other scriptures where light is compared to truth, where God is saying, I am, Jesus says, God is the truth. Not if it proves itself to be true. Because most people have their relationship with God like this. Oh, God, how could you let this happen to me? Then, then, then that thing about you is not true because of what's going on in my life. Because my life is truth, and you must prove yourself to be true. That's, that's often how we have a relationship with God. Just me? Anyone else? Okay. So often, that is how we view God. That actually, God, you must prove yourself to be true, and then I'll believe that you're true. No, Jesus is saying, I want to give you a truth, and this is the truth that you have to build your life on. God is truth. Everything that he says is true. He doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to prove it to be true. It is true. And everything that is different to him is wrong. Because in God, there is no darkness. In everything else in your life, even your loving parents, Let's pick on your loving parents. Even your loving parents who raise you in a way that they feel like is true and right, even in your loving parents, they have hidden agendas and hidden motives that are in their heart. Fathers are like, I just want my son to play rugby because it's really good for him. And the son like gets a black eye and his tooth knocked out and he's like, it's so good for you, my son. In the meantime, the dad's like, I'm so proud of you because that does something for me. I want you to follow in your father's footsteps because I couldn't please my own dad, so therefore I want you to. Mothers, in the way that even our parents have a hidden agenda, when we live in a world where everything has a hidden agenda. 
If you go into the app store right now on your phone and you download the top free app, this is what happens. Oh, I want to get a new surf app. I'd love to see what the surf conditions are. You download it, you down, and it lets you see the, the next five minutes for free. If you would like to see past the next five minutes, then it's 30 rand a month. If you want to see the next two days, then it's another. And that's, that's what we've come to do in the world. Everything is like, oh, it's free. Here it is. But there's a hidden agenda. There's a hidden hook. And some of us exploit this for the sake of business. Go for it. <laughs> but it's, this is the way that we know the world to be. Everything. And we, we, you learn to read this in people. Even in marriage, your spouse can have hidden agendas, hidden, things that you don't know about them. This is when the wives look at the husbands and they're like, are you sure? Is that your final answer? Not me, babe. He's talking about everyone else, not me. Even godly leaders can have hidden motives. What? Because only in God is there no darkness. Only, even in your desire to serve God, you can have hidden motives. There's probably some of you here who landed up here because you wanted to marry someone, so you came along to church, like, hey, I'll just. Inside of every single one of us, in our relationship with God, there is so often, there is hidden motive. And Jesus is making this absolute statement that should frame the way that you approach God which is that God is light, and that means God is true, and everything about God is true, and there is nothing dark in God. You're not going to come to him when he says, I've, I will forgive your sins, and then we wonder, what is the actual truth? Like, like what, what actually does that mean? Am I going to give my life to God and then find out this dark truth about him when I get close? Is he, is he this God who presents as loving and powerful, but when you get close, there's this hidden thing that you didn't know about? Because that's what we used to with this world that we live in. And as long as you live by the subjective truth of what I see to be true is true, as long as you live like that, you will have these concerns around God, and it will affect the way that you live. Okay, moving on swiftly. Don't want to overlabor that. <clears throat> An example of this is John 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him because they saw Jesus. That is it. There is no other way. There is no, there is things that people are debating about God because they think that, oh, maybe God actually meant this when he said that. It's rubbish. There is no darkness in God. There's no hidden motive. And that should bring you such freedom. And that should bring you such relief. Thank you, Lord. Do you know that even there's a secular psychologist that I listen to uh, every now and then, Jordan Peterson. He says, God and the Bible... There's a guy who, 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 who says that he believes in God, but he, he doesn't serve Jesus. Not a Christian. But he says, looking at, and he's a philosopher, looking at the world, looking at history, looking at literature, looking at the history of mankind, he says, there has to be this truth. 
God is the foundation of truth. Secular. Because if you don't have a foundation for truth, then anything goes, and then you result in what we have in the world around us. Everyone claiming to have the truth. So not only is God is light, not only does it mean that God is the truth and everything that he commands and says is true, it means that when God is light, he, John could have said God is truth, but he wanted to elaborate on that. He says God is light because what does light do? The first thing is light helps you to avoid danger. God is not just this, this truth that says you have to believe in me or you're going to hold. No, God is also light, which means he says if you don't follow me, you're going to hell. He shows you that your life, sin will give birth to sin, will give birth to eventually death. The wages of sin is death. So not only is God the truth, but God comes as light to show you, please don't go this way. He comes to shine a light to show you how to avoid danger in your life. God doesn't want you to fall into a trap. God doesn't want your life to be, God doesn't want that. The second thing about God is light is that not only does it show you where the obstacles are, the things that you could, it's like if you're in a dark room and you turn the light on. The light doesn't just show you what you're gonna bang your legs on, it also shows you the way to go. God doesn't wanna only say, don't do this, because that's what people interpreted Christianity as. Christianity is a bunch of don't do's. Don't drink, don't sleep around, don't smoke, don't party, don't live your life this way, don't, 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 don't. No, not only is God saying, hey, these are the things that will ruin you, God is light because he shows us the way that we should live. He shows us the way forward. He shows us the way to relationship. He shows us the way to live a life of joy and peace and happiness. He doesn't just say, I am the truth. Some people get that about God. For some people, that's really easy. Yeah, God is the truth. Yeah, but man, he also doesn't want you to fall into danger. He also wants you to not bump your head. He doesn't want you to get your heart. He doesn't want you to get hurt. He doesn't want you to get heartbroken. He also wants to show you the way to righteousness. He wants to show you to live a life that is fulfilling and has purpose. God doesn't want you to just survive this life. If your goal is survival, please change it. I joke with Stefan, we had that joke in the car yesterday. I was like, Stefan, you know what the difference between you and me is? I enjoy life. You're trying to survive. <laughs> God wants, uh, he, he's tough, you can handle that, it's a joke. If you are just surviving through life, if you are just clawing through, I'm saying, you need the light. If you're depressed out of your mind and you can't see a way forward and your life is chaos and you don't know what to do, I'm saying, you need the light. You need the light. You need the light to show you the things that you're banging your head on. And you need the light to show you the way to live to find a way out of this. Okay, moving on swiftly. I want to reemphasize, you are not going to get close to God and then figure out that actually this whole time I was wrong. Actually... He is this incredibly loving Father that is too good to be true. And the closer you get to Him, the more good you realize He is. You thought He was gracious when He forgave you the first time and, and, he, and he brought you into His family. You think that's grace. 
Grace is when you as a believer sin again and again and again and again and again and you come to Him and He forgives you every single time. There is no hidden motive in His heart. Oops. There is no little part of Him that says, now that was the last time for you. There comes a point where God draws a line in the sand for people for their sake. There's not a hidden part of Him that we don't know. Maybe nine times is too much. Maybe eight was fine, but maybe nine, maybe the ninth time he can't forgive. No. The same God that you met on the day of salvation or haven't met, the same one who presented himself as, I loved you so much that I made a way for you. That same God, he is the same. So now what? Now what? God is light. Okay, that's cool. He's the truth. He shows us how to live. He shows us how we could hurt ourselves. That's great. Now what? What am I supposed to do? Let's read. So we're lying. And I want to reiterate this with you. Lying slash fooling yourself. Deceiving yourself. Deceiving yourself does not mean like... I'm not really convinced by what I'm saying. I'm just going with it. No, deceiving yourself means you can live in a way that you think you're in fellowship with God, but you're being ruled by the desires of this, what we see around us. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Emphasis, we are not living or practicing the truth. It means this. Don't worry, this gets so much lighter at the end, I promise. Whew. I hope that even you could be a Christian of 35 years, sit here and get cut to the core by a message like this. Because there is this danger that the Pharisees had, which was that they thought that this didn't apply to them anymore. And the end of this scripture says, when you are not aware of the sin in your life anymore, you are blaspheming God. If you're not living in a life consistently repenting, and bringing into the light. You are not even serving God. You're blaspheming Him. Wow. Totally. We are lying if we have said we have fellowship with God, but we're gone living in spiritual darkness. I want to tell you this. Living in spiritual darkness. Darkness is compared, uh, there's a, a, another scripture in John that I'll compare it. Uh, if we go to 1 John 2 verse 8 to 11. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but he hates a fellow believer, that person is living in darkness. That's one of the, what does living in darkness mean? If you don't love the other believers, the people sitting around you right now, you are living in darkness. Ah. It's a fact. I'm, 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 that is what the Bible says. Anyone who loves a believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by darkness, lying to themselves, deceived. Another scripture, 1 John 2 verse 17, and it says, and the world, so remember it said darkness is fading away, 
it also says, and the world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There's the two emphasis that Jesus taught us, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor like yourself. Living in darkness is when you choose to live according to your worldly desires. Lack of a better word, forgive me. Anything attached to this world, anything, your house, your job, your investments, your retirement, your business, your family, your money, your car, your whatever idol, put your idol here because we all have them. When those are the things that control our desires, When we make our decisions based on those, all of those desires are in us. Again, we're going to read that at the end. Living in darkness is when they control your decisions. When your desire for the world controls the decision that you make, you're living in darkness. And when you're living in darkness, you will find that you have no fellowship with God. It can be such a massive thing to such a simple thing. If you think you're having fellowship with God, but you are living according to the desires of this world, what are you doing? You're fooling yourself. Do you know what that means? Those who fool themselves, there is examples of this that Jesus teaches in the New Testament. Those who fool themselves, they come to the gate at the end when Jesus has come and he's wound everything up. And they say, Lord, Lord, but we did these things, but we, I never knew you. I never had fellowship with you. The desires for me are not what controlled your life. The desires for the world is what controlled the decisions that you made. Nice to go and leave and then come back and chant at everyone. (laughs) It can become so practical. The desires for God, when they determine the decisions of your life, do you know what? That even to the world, it looks foolish. I've been spending my leave reading Proverbs. And some of the stuff that I'm reading, I'm like, oh my word, if I actually live this, I'll, be, I'll look like a madman. Because a desire for God is foolish to this world. It's foolish. To base your career, to base your life, to base where you live, to base how you raise your children, to base what you do with your money, to base where you spend your time, to base your happiness, to base every big decision in your life around what God wants and what God thinks is foolishness. Because our world says, you need to do what feels good for you. It's madness to the world. Madness. Why would you do that? Because when you have fellowship with God, your desire for God overrules. That is the the defining point of making your decisions. Man, I'm so glad you have a job. I'm so glad you can earn an income. Do not let that be the thing that determines all the decisions in your life. It's good to work. We've got to work. But if we are living in the light, But if we live our lives where we make decisions based on our desire for the light, our desire to see God, our desire to avoid danger, our desire to walk out the plan that he has for us. If we live in the light, if we live like that, then he says, as God is the light, 
Then, do you know what the first thing you do is? You have fellowship with God, and then it says, and then, and then you have fellowship with each other. When you try and build these relationships on worldly desires, it will be superficial always. If you are sitting here this morning and you feel like you're not connected to other believers in this congregation, it's because you are building the wrong way. You're trying to connect on preference. You're trying to connect on what we like. You're trying to connect on surfing or skateboarding or work or boca jerseys. There's a lot of you. I like that. You're trying to connect on the wrong things. The thing that we connect on is the fact that my life is ruled by a desire to please God and Nick's life is ruled by a desire to please God and then we find each other and we have fellowship because what's most important to him is most important to me. And so if you are not finding friendship, it is on you. Build according to the light. This is so harsh. But it's also the truth. I can say this with absolute, con. I'm convinced. I'll die for this. I know this is true. This is truth. This is not my opinion. This is not a opinion. This is the way. And when we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, when we have fellowship with each other, And when we have fellowship with Jesus, do you know what happens? All that rubbish, all that sinful desire, all that worldly desire, Jesus comes and he cleanses us. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It means there is no stumbling in the dark or sinful behavior that Jesus won't forgive. When you are looking to live in the light, even when you sin, and you all sin. We're going to get there again. We clarified that. If you don't see that sin in yourself, then you have to be aware because that's the attitude that the Pharisees had toward Jesus, that we've got it all right. This week, this is how it worked itself out, this preach. I felt to myself like every, not, not every, because I didn't want to put some people on the spot, so if I met with you and didn't ask you this question, it's because I didn't want to put you on the spot. But most of my other meetings that I had with people, one of my opening lines was, what sin are you battling with at the moment? Opening line. What's the last thing you repented to Jesus for? And it was great because the first person I asked was Sam. I got up in the morning, I was like, hey babe, can I ask you a question? Sure. What sin are you fighting at the moment? <laughs> you know why we're so often afraid to ask that question? because we're afraid they will ask the question in turn back to us. I don't want to ask you because I wouldn't want to be asked. And Sam shared hers, and then I was like, I slandered somebody on Saturday. I got offended on someone else's behalf, and I said this stuff to you about them. I was angry. And I slandered them. I said, how could they do that? How could they be like this? I pointed a finger at them and I sinned. And then we both were like, aren't we so grateful that Jesus has forgiven both of us? And then I met with Nick and we chatted. 
I won't tell them what yours was. <laughs> and I asked Nick, Nick, what's the sin you've been struggling with? And I told him what, and I had added another one since I'd spoken to Sam. I'd found another one. And I brought it into the light. And then I met with Andrew and Liz East, amazing friends of ours. They specialize in helping married couples find breakthrough. And she wouldn't mind if I said this. And I said, Liz, and she's like, after we counseled someone, I was so rude to my husband before we went to bed. I was mean to him on purpose, and I cut him, and I said horrible things to him, and I sinned. And then her husband said, I got offended because of what someone else did. And I started to realize as I did this little practical experiment through the week that actually it's something that all of us try and hide from each other. But it's something that we all have in common. And when you start to bring this stuff into your relationship, it's when you build really deep relationships. And then the conversation was, okay, cool. Sam, how are we, how are we going to not do this again? Well, if I get really angry and I start talking about someone, can you stop me? Can you tell me? And gee, the blood of Jesus, his son. And now I want you to, as you're sitting here this morning, coming into land, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. If you sit there this morning in any way, shape or form, thinking that this does not apply to you, then you are literally blaspheming the God. You are blaspheming him and fooling yourself. There's nobody here. I'd like you to look around you right now. Please. Every single person you have looked at. Every single person you have looked at. There's not one person here who is above it all. There's not one person here who is not on a daily, daily, hear me, daily, it's not like you look at Dan and you go, oh, Dan, he preaches, in a, he preached at a conference. Maybe he, maybe he went like two weeks without sinning. No, daily. Daily I'm repenting. Daily I'm living in the light. Daily I'm letting the desire to be in fellowship with God rule my decision making. And if you don't acknowledge that, then you don't repent of that. And if you don't repent of that, and you don't confess it, then you're not forgiven for it. And that, that is the worst place to find yourself. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, God, the light, the truth, and this is why the statement is made in the beginning, this is the truth. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how frequent you've done it. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care what. It could be murder. If you are living in, in the light and wanting to please Jesus, and you come and you confess your son in sin and repentance, he is faithful and just to forgive us. God is not holding back forgiveness from you for you to jump through hoops. And to cleanse us. He doesn't just forgive you. He cleans you. He gives you the desires to live according to His ways.
He gives, that means when you're genuinely repentant, you have a desire to fix the messes that you make. When you hurt others or you offend, you go back and you repent. When you've done stuff, you have this overwhelming desire to live in the light, which means that I live a certain way. It does not mean I don't sin. Whenever guys come to confess sin to me, my heart breaks because I realize it takes a lot nowadays for people to confess sin. Normally, we only do it when we're at the end of our rope, when we see no other way or we feel like life is falling apart. Then we go to confessing sin. I want to say, if this becomes a part of your life, you live in the light. You, you live knowing where to go. You live with a peace inside of you because you're not anxious. Because the sins that you do are not held against you. And even if you die in this world, it's not over. You're going to be with Him. Your guaranteed relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that goes past this life, which we are promised by the truth that it will suck. That your health will fail you. Your job that you, you could center your life around a career and be retrenched. You could be rejected by the parents that you love so much. You could be abandoned by your friends. That means nothing in the light of eternity. And that gives me something to live for. That gives me peace every single day. That gives me joy. Unquenchable. I can be jumping up and down with a zero bank balance. I can be worshiping him in the red. For some of us, it's like we, we want to protect our investments. For others of us, it's like, I don't mind dying. At least all my debt will get written off. <laughs> That's not the only joy at the end of your life. The joy is that you come into the greatest investment you could ever make. You put your hands, your life in the hands of the Redeemer. And do you know what? In His mercy and kindness, He still wants to do something with you. He still wants to give you a purpose. He wants you to love others. He wants to give you a ministry to others. He wants to enable you to help others see this truth. But if we claim, and this is the final disclaimer that he leaves us with, but if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. This morning, don't live in that place. If you are not repenting, I would like to give you a warning this morning. If you do not see sin in your own life right now, I wonder, can we, can we buy our heads? Can we take some time? One sec. Michael, worship team, Jenna, Austi, can you come up as well? Yeah. Don't be there this morning. Don't sit and think about the thing that the other person did to you. Holy Spirit, right now, would you make us aware of the sin in our life? Right now. Holy Spirit, you were given to us to convict us of righteousness and point us to the Father. And so I pray in every person's life, no matter how uncomfortable it is right now, no matter how painful it is, 
Would you highlight the sin in their life right now? Would you bring it to the surface? Would you bring the worst of what we've done and who we are and the secrets that we have that nobody knows about? Would you bring that to the surface of our mind right now? And now, God, I ask for your grace. As these things are at the forefront of our mind right now, and as we have shame, and as we have sorrow and regret, and aspects of feeling short, I ask God, would you now, would you show us your grace? I pray for those that are really struggling and need and need a feel. Would you physically help us to feel right now? Would you bring your love right now, Lord Jesus? The desire that you have for every one of us. I feel like there's some people sitting here with such shame this morning and I, I want to tell you that the Lord loves you. He loves you. You are worth being loved. That He knows all of this about you. This is not a surprise to Him. with this in your mind I'd love you to if you want to respond to this with me if you could repeat after me I'm going to pray I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance for this that we have Lord Jesus I am so sorry I'm sorry for what I've done would you please forgive me Would you give me your grace again? Would you cleanse me from my sin? Verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. Not only is he faithful, he is just. Faithful means that he is the one that will do what he said he will do. He said he will forgive, so therefore he forgives. Just. Because even though you feel like you don't deserve it, he gives it. He is the judge and he is just. And He will forgive us of our sins and He will cleanse us from all wickedness. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now, would you come, Jesus, and would your blood cleanse us from all wickedness? So I want you to know this, right now where you sit, right now in this moment, 
There is no barrier between you and fellowship with God. What? Isn't that incredible? That no matter what you came here with, and like I said in the beginning, which I want to re-emphasize to you this morning, there's no darkness in God. There's no catch to what He's just done in your life. There's no hook that you didn't know about. There is forgiveness. And then there is light. And so Lord, I pray that right now, as there's been repentance and confession, and your, your spirit has come and convicted and your blood has washed us clean, I pray, would you now show us light? Would you show us relationships that need to be cut off? Would you show us friendships that need to be left behind? Would you show us where there is desires in this world that are controlling our decisions? Would you show us what they are so that we don't have to live according to them? Would you show us every trap that wants to catch us? And would you show us the way to live? Would you show us the way to live? I would like our response to be worship because of what he's done so we are going to take a little bit of time we're going to worship a little bit where you are though I'm going to ask you to stay seated don't come to the front don't maybe if you're sitting on top of someone else you can find some space I would like in your heart you to respond you can stand you can lie down you can do what you want but I want to remind you of this fact that we came in this morning with something separating us from him and he's forgiven he's removed even where you came in with an addictive behavior this morning he wants to set you free and so what I'm going to ask for is as we respond in worship the team are going to worship um, and I'm going to ask some of the leaders to pray with me but if you feel like um, more than sin if you feel like you've been making decisions based on the worldly desires, if you feel like your decisions have been based around not God and not wanting to, but I've actually been making work and I want to make decisions based on what Jesus wants for me. If you would love us to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do something and maybe for us to prophesy over you or to see God come and speak into your life this morning. So if that's you, as we worship, I'm inviting you to come to the front so we can pray with you. Not because I need a response, but because I would love you to, to meet with Jesus this morning. Maybe you are sitting in your seat and you felt like, you, you know, you've done this response, but you still want to meet. There's something inside of you that wants to be ministered to by God. Come forward. We'll pray for you. We'd love to see God do that. Is that okay? So we're going to take a little bit of time, not much longer than Nick will land the meeting. Let's worship as a response to what Jesus did right now, what he did today, what he did in your life. That's why you sing. Amen.